welcome to Dr. DM, a podcast where three pseudo-professional D&D players take questions from game masters to help them plot out their stories and to plot against their parties. The doctors are in. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Um, happy Easter yeah. to the two ladies in front of me, virtually, mm-hmm. um, and to everybody else who listens and celebrates. And if you don't celebrate Easter, I hope you're having a very sunny Sunday. Happy Sunday. <laughs> Happy spring. Yep. It's still Sunday. It's yeah. still Sunday. Yep. Um, so what have you guys been up to? Well, I had a migraine last time we tried to... Oh, no, I didn't. That was before we tried to re- record. I had a wisdom tooth issue last time we tried to record. Yep. Um, my body's falling apart. Yeah. But it's not like you. No, but it's okay. We're here today, and my tooth is not causing issues. And I have coffee, and there's a kitten in front of me. And I'm ready to go. So thank you, listeners, for being patient with me and with us. Yeah. We all have our those release days. schedule hasn't been uh, incredibly helpful. Ah! Schedule schedule. We're still making episodes. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, what about you, Tasha? Sorry, work's been kind of busy, weirdly. Um, things are starting to open up a little, so we're starting to actually do stuff at the store again. Um, I'm running a D&D game where everyone has their own table, and then I put the map up on the screen. Oh, neat. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Is it working well? For the most part, I'm still running into like one or two snags, but I, I nothing I can't fix in the moment and then try to make better next time. Well, laser pointers help. So people can move characters. Sort of. You know, um, it's funny, your mom and I were actually talking about this um, when we visited Beth earlier last summer. I don't know where Beth was, but she and I were talking about, like, a patented, special, outlined, like, whiteboard that could be used. Was this when you guys were flying up? Oh, that you put up on the wall. What? Was this when you guys were flying out to Oklahoma? Yeah, I think we were already in Oklahoma. I feel like we were already in our in your living room, but we were chatting about it, and mm-hmm. we were like, what would make things easier? Because, you know, tables are, are crowded, and you can't sit together now. And she and I had the longest conversation designing a whiteboard for D&D-specific use. And I remember it getting very involved. So if you want help, Tasha, <laughs> about mm-hmm. distanced... Uh, projection and assistance for D&D, go talk to your mom, because she probably remembers more than I do. <laughs> I, I think I actually remember this conversation because she did tell me about it, about how you put would put up a whiteboard on the, like, wall and you can just, like, flip it over and have it, like, be a picture on the other side and then you flip it back and it's like yeah. a board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could have, like, you know, projector screens when they roll into the case above it. You could just have mm-hmm. a roll of some, you know, fancy canvas art and just roll it down and hook it so that it covers the whiteboard. But then when you roll it back up, last week's session stuff is all still there. So it would include a grid that you don't have to draw yourself. Um, and then everybody's minis could be on magnets. And if you really, really wanted to have, like, a mini figure that looks like your character, we could sell little magnet stands that have um, indents in the center so that your minis can clip into it and not fall off. Oh. Uh, They actually already make something like that for, uh, uh, sorry, Warhammer, because people found out that trying to stick things in foam all the time means all the spiky bits fall off. So they've been trying to use magnets to help move minis, but this would be entirely a good purpose for him. Yeah. So you could move minis on a vertical map, but the minis would still look like they're standing up, so you're not just like looking at them from top down. Mm-hmm. But it would also mean, distantly, that you could like stand really far away and just have the DM 
or, you know, people take turns coming up to the map to move things so you're not in everybody's space. Mm-hmm. I love my Some family. Some <laughs> <laughs> We get questions from my dad and my mom telling us mock-out models for whiteboard D&D sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> TM, TM, TM. That whiteboard's mine. <laughs> and your mom's. Yep. We, we split it. We'll split those profits 50-50, but until then, that's mine. <laughs> Um, all right, shall we dive in? Sure. Did we want to introduce ourselves, or are we just like, nah? Oh, yeah! <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I'm Leanne. I'm Beth. I'm Tasha. Uh, so, first up, we have our Monster Weekly. Uh, this week we're talking about, I think it's called a Bahir. Mm-hmm. Let me check the D&D Beyond... It's a be here. Thank you, D and D Beyond pronunciation lady. I don't know what this thing is, but it has many legs and it's scary. Ooh, good. Is is that Marisha Ray? I don't. Uh, the audio track? I don't know. I don't think so. Okay. Okay, I found it. That's oh, fair. shit, it's the lightning okay. lizard. Yes. Okay, sorry, I got to the part. Uh, it's on page 25 in the Monster Manual for those playing along at home. Oh my god, once we go over all these monsters, I'm going to do a play along at home quiz a la My Brother, My Brother, and Me. <laughs> um, but it's just going to be monster questions. I dig it. Okay, so Bahir. Um, they're cave predators. Uh, they're lightning lizards. I mean, yeah, that's, they're lightning lizards. They're huge. They're huge lightning lizards. Foes of the dragons. In times long forgotten, giants and dragons engaged in seemingly endless wars. Uh, storm giants created the first Bahirs as weapons against the dragons, and Bahirs retain a natural hatred for dragonkind. Cool. Neat. So they were created by storm giants, which explains the lightning. But like, I mean, other giants could have created them too. Like, you could have like different like Bahir, I guess morphs, ev- evolutions. I mean, because you could like make them a uh, uh, like fire or um, like a lava Bahir Guys. or a poison Bahir or something. They imply that they can talk. What? They know Draconic, and then they actually have a quote from one at the bottom of this. Oh, shit! I have already eaten three giant bats, six troglodytes, and a mind flare today. But that's okay. Plenty of room in my belly for you and your friends. Oh, shit! (laughs) Okay, what's their int? Well, their int's only seven, so I mean... Seven's high enough to know a language. They just probably can't read it. I mean, read or... Nope, it doesn't have parentheses saying they can't read or write it. Mm-hmm. Cool, 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 cool. Um, they also have a 23 strength. So, just in mm-hmm. case people are wondering, that whole I'm a Ichu is not a joke. It has a swallow ability. Um, its hit points uh... are 16d12. 16! D12 plus 64. Well, they fight dragons. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, I mean, like... It okay. W- yeah, it would make sense... I-, I like this thing. Yeah, me too. It would make sense that I have the other morphs, like, the other versions of these guys, because that way there'd be, like, a version for each kind of dragon. So, like, if you have these guys, are they resistant to electric? They're not. What a ripoff! Oh, no, they do have damage immunity. Okay, so they do have damage immunity to lightning. So if you had, like, a lava here, it would have damage immunity to fire. Or uh, a poison here, it would have damage immunity poison, and its breath would just be the breath weapon. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting is that Bahirs seem to only be naturally lightning. Like, I was doing some research. I think it the original creature is a lightning lizard, and then they tacked on the, the dragon thing for D&D purposes. Oh, okay. So a Bahir, like, from its original... Oh mythos mm-hmm. or lightning only okay 
I mean, so- yeah, because I remember talking about this and, and trying to figure out how, where, where the hell. Um, so it makes me wonder, though, um, if some intrepid wizard at some point in time would have made a variant of a Bahir. I don't think that's completely out of the question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Hmm. But yeah, what's so, our original mythos from? Do you know anymore? Yeah, I found uh, it. I I, it. Thank you. I saw it from the name. It might be something from an Arabic mythology, but it actually comes from Scottish folklore. I'm not going to try to pronounce the Scottish version of its name, but it is a large snake-like creature or dragon. Um, the Scottish Gaelic word has been defined variously as serpent, lightning, and thunderbolt. It also is referred to as venomous serpent and serpent or adder. Oh, shit. The word may also mean wild beast and may be derived from the Norse for bear, according to Celtic mythology. Is this the name of um, Odin's weapon? Oh, I don't know. Let me look. Because lightning and, and serpent mean the same thing because it's a sky serpent. That's part of what lightning is, because that's why they called it, like, serpent-like, was because when lightning crashes down from the sky, it looks like a, a giant electric serpent. Mm. I, I have to admit, though, the idea the, of uh, a snake meets bear as being a Bahir is a great mentality for them. <laughs> it's a bear snake. And it breathes- It's a bear snake. It's an electric bear snake. Yep. Bahir, just treat it like an electric bear, bear snake. snake that can talk. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty apt because they, they, they're cave predators, so they, they hang out in, in caverns, um, and they, do they burrow? Yeah, uh, no, they climb. So they're like, so they don't dig their own ca caves, but they hang out in other cave systems. So like, if your party thought they were going to go find a dragon, only to discover, nope, the dragon's dead, but the Bahir is there. <laughs> It would be a great switcheroo for your whole party thinking they're getting ready to fight a dragon, only to discover a Bahir, and it's a monstrosity, not a dragon. It's not, um, it's not, it's not dragon kin. So any of the stuff mm -hmm. that's designed to fight dragons would not affect it. It's a Bahir. But it gives you a good challenge like a dragon. Yeah. My challenge rating's 11, so I mean, this would be a good... I don't want to throw a dragon quite yet at my party, but I made them think it was a dragon, and then you throw a Bahir at them. No. Odin's spear is named Gungnir. Ah, okay. Thank you for, for fact-checking me. Yeah, that took too long. That's okay, we got there. Thanks, Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so they've got the constrictor abilities, they have lightning breath, and then they can eat somebody. That's I'd pretty say neat. if you're trying to use a dragon in a situation where a dragon might not be the best mm -hmm. option, so let's say your your party's deep underground. Yes, dragons can be in caves. I feel like the end of a dungeon crawl tends to be, oh no, big cavern, big dragon. Um, but I feel like these might be a better option for certain folks who still want that big scary lightning breath dragon feeling um because they're centipede like and they're natural cave monsters so i feel like if you if you're going down a natural dungeon crawl um and there's a lot of tight twisty passageways a dragon might just be too big to fit down them but this thing, which can coil up like a snake and has too many goddamn legs, mm -hmm. is probably the better option. Oh, yeah. Um, they're definitely cool. They're definitely it a has feature. a challenge rating of 11. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty, it's close to equal mm -hmm. to a dragon. And they have a stealth score. Like, they have a plus seven to their stealth. So these guys hiding on the ceiling, this is the perfect encounter for. And then the monster drops down from the ceiling. Or better yet, the monster breathes lightning at them from the ceiling. Because they're in a line already. You can pretty much line up your party really easily if you're breathing lightning down from the ceiling at them. Mm, yeah, it's significantly easier in a cave when you're, you know, looking at like a five foot yeah. wide And, and they, they gotta walk single a... file like idiots. <laughs> Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
this would be a fun monster, especially if the Bahir finds them, breathes lightning at them, grabs one of them, eats it, and then runs away. Oh god, that's terrible. So then your party has to go chase down this Bahir as your friend's inside of it trying not to die. That would be fun. That would be a fun adventure. You shoot everybody with lightning and you eat somebody. Ah, it's a pretty decent monster. I'm just imagining yeah, I like eating my wizard. It'd be funny as hell. <laughs> it's a good it's a good monster. Um it is considered huge. Uh which starts to get into some of the issues I can sometimes have with the classifications for size. So this guy is considered huge. I would probably tack that in as like two across, but then make him longer. I would adjust what his base looks like so it's not like yeah. the perfect circle because he, he's an oblong shape because he's he could probably he'd probably be 10 feet across like his chest length. But since he's so long, I'd add the rest of that dimension into just his tail length. What's the grid for a huge creature? Three by three. Mm-hmm. So I would take those extra squares and I'd make him two by two by four. Oh. Maybe. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Just because that way you can stick him in narrower passages too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could even make him bigger. I mean, like, you could definitely easily up the, up him to a challenge rating, you know, 15 or whatever, and make him a, um, a gargantuan monstrosity. Because there's no reason that they can't get bigger. Like you could you could be facing mm-hmm. an ancient Bahir. I mean that's easy, especially if you got ancient dragons. So if you wanted something like this as a as a deep cave dweller and a scarier monster, you could easily pump him up. Uh, upping his stats would not take very very much time. I like this thing. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Cool find. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like just going through the bestiary and the like. Yep. Everything here is awesome. We just need to take time to look at it. Yeah. It's definitely been fun. All right. Shall we go on to our first appointment? All right. So this has long been in the waiting for us. We keep pushing this question back, so I'm excited to to finally talk about it. Um, It also goes back to the original call out for questions which is if you're having trouble in a game and you want advice talk to us you know bring your question to us we'll analyze it and then we'll give you a diagnosis um so here we go i'm having a pc play with a demonic like entity inside their head this entity does want the pc to kill but it doesn't want to do it at the cost of the pc's willingness to cooperate with the demon do you have any suggestions on how to run this entity from Zach P? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> you did this for a while with um, Micah, didn't you? Uh, Tasha, Tasha started it, but yes. I did this for a while with Micah, and then I have had several characters over the, the years um, who I have GM'd for have demonic uh evil entities less uh, not good entities because they could be neutral as well inside their head encouraging them to do things so i mean that's that's a that's just a warlock like anybody who's played a warlock has had to deal with this yes and no to the the patron shows up and does stuff but it's not the constantly asking you to do scary things Mm -hmm. in the same way that something like having a demonic entity living in somebody's head is this is almost like like a possession-esque where the the creature inside their head is egging them on to do something um and to slowly essentially corrupt their soul versus a warlock who's already sold their soul (laughs) They have to do what the demon wants. This creature is trying to manipulate them versus telling them what to do. So, like, with... It's a subtle power difference. It is. It's a subtle power difference. Um, 
there's two ways to handle this really one um is to make the entity sympathetic and to have them have their own goals and that they're trying to essentially slowly entice the player into doing something for it because it has a tragic backstory of its own. Whether this is true or not, that's what it's telling the player. Or you have it slowly feed on the player's own self-doubts and darker desires and egg it on. Those are the two main ways to handle this. Um, the best example of the first one is that episode in Teen Titans called Spellbound when Raven finds the book that talks to her. That's so good. It's such a good example of that, like, I have a really sad backstory and I want to be freed. It's going to take you a long, it's a long con, but boy, is it satisfying when they find out that this person's actually evil. Um, and then the other version, um, Matt did pretty well, Matt Mercer with Taliesin and Percy using the Orthax and having the demon in his head to encourage him to do something that he already wanted to do. Well, that and uh, Grog with the sword. Grog, yeah. Craven Edge. Oh, yeah. Craven Edge was fantastic version of this. I mean, it also depends on the willingness of your player, too. So your PC has to want to do this. So if they're like a bloodthirsty character, egging them on to do something like this is a lot easier from the second version of this. You don't need to convince them to do stuff. If your player is a good or more along the good or new, uh, uh, chaotic, lawful spectrum, they're more that side of neutral, um, then you're probably going to have to start having tragic backstory and other ways to manipulate them. I think the biggest thing to remember is the, the silver tongue devil. Is, is something you want to, to think about when building a character like this. Yeah, it's somebody who, who lies. The, oh, the one that I'm running right now falls firmly into the first category. It's an entity that lives inside a ring. The ring is a magic item and gives you bonuses, but the consequences of the ring is that, I think it's the ring of mind shielding. You, no one can read your thoughts. Um, you can hide your alignment and... But if you die wearing the ring, it can eat your soul. It's just part of the ring. Well, I've implied that there's another entity living in the ring already. I've actually implied that there's lots of other entities, and the one that my player is talking to is the most cogent, most sentient of all of the, the remaining members. It's sort of the dominant personality. But this dominant personality has access to all of the memories of the other creatures that are stuck inside the ring. And... The ring offers power in exchange for things. The ring, uh, essentially information. It's like uh, it's like having a walking lexicon in your back pocket, but you have to sell your soul just a wee bit to gain access to it. Um, so, or I guess it's more like a, uh, an encyclopedia. The character's a lot of fun to play. She uh, has a very dark backstory that they're only slowly starting to learn about who she was. And when she first met my character, my, my party, she was much colder, much more vicious. But because she's been watching the party over time, and particularly through the eyes of my, my wizard, she's been seeing their interactions and understanding their dynamic. And so is now using that to her advantage when she's communicating with the wizard because she understands who who he is now to a better extent and what he is and isn't willing to do. So her goals have changed since she has met him and her relationship with him has changed since, since she has met him. So it's been very, very entertaining to have this like conversation between the two of them when he wants information to talk with her because sometimes like real information, really helpful stuff she will now ask him if he's sure if he wants to do it, not just letting him sign the, the contract. She now withholds it and is like, you're signing a contract. Are you sure you want to do this? This could hurt you. And making it seem like she cares more about him because in a way she is starting to. So that dynamic, it's, a, it's just a 
he's had this ring since we started this game. Like, he got it in the first dungeon, and I have been playing with this NPC in his head since the beginning of time. Um, so that, that whole conversation has been great fun. I now have a new villain who is using the dream spell to fuck with my wizard. Um, and he's a, he's a devil. So straight up, evil character is trying to just screw with the wizard. And so now the wizard has two psychic things inside his head trying to make him do bad stuff. <laughs> he, he said, <laughs> I quote, he said, sometimes I feel like my character doesn't get to do a lot of stuff. Well, serves him right. <laughs> Now I've got two demons trying to convince him to do bad things. All, all because he asked for it. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be demons either. I had a um, character, an NPC in my game. I'm trying to find it. Sorry. I had a character who was not a demon. He was technically a demigod. Mm-hmm. And he was through plots outside of the party he was trapped in a magic mirror similar to the ring that Beth was talking about mm-hmm. um, and my party found the mirror and they were tasked with trying to figure out what the entity was and why he was and like you know why is there a face in the mirror mm-hmm. well they did bad they did a bad when they were looking at the mirror and uh, the person who picked it up ended up rolling a natural one. So I was like, well, how do I resolve this? Because this isn't an evil entity. He wouldn't just, you know, take over immediately or break out of the mirror and kill her. He's not, he's not evil. Okay. But he also isn't in control of the mirror and its properties. So I decided through no fault of either of them, other than the rolling the one, that he now accidentally possessed Tip, the PC. Mm-hmm. So, whoops! Uh, Tip now has a demigod who cannot speak in her head. So the only thing that she was getting the entire time was um, memories. So Hero, I had Hero speak similar to... Um, Bumblebee from Transformers Uh is where I took a lot of my inspiration. So instead of speech, he used pictures from his own memory to try and communicate. And as their relationship grew, those memories got more and more complex. So not only did she get more information or like a wider screen vision of each picture, he could manipulate what he was showing her. So it wasn't just like a chronological event he could like splice different memories together to try to communicate an original thought the way that bumblebee takes different radio stations or different songs and splices them together to create his own speech Mm -hmm. so you can play with this in a way that isn't evil also and it was a lot of fun oh for sure um, and it also, it, it didn't, it, it never, at least on my end from the DM, it made me feel like less railroady because I was in a pretty railroady campaign. I, uh-huh. my, my uh, players were doing very well just to let me string them along for the ride, which thank you. <laughs> but because I had them, like, it, it was all dreamlike. She had to interpret these pictures. I wasn't giving her like, okay, go here and do this thing. It was more just like, here's a picture. I hope you're taking notes because I'm not going to give you any more information. And then as time went on, she could recognize things that Hero had told her from memory and had to piece all of that together herself like a big riddle. And if she didn't do it, then it didn't happen. So that was fun. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. I mean, because because like the, the idea of having a powerful entity inside a PC's head 
can we come at from all different angles? I mean, yes, warlocks, obviously, but I mean, the same kind of goes for clerics having their gods communicate with them. You can get away with a lot of those vibes by having their gods give them little hints or, or nudge them along uh, in, in the same way that a warlock's patron might be doing it, but more ethereally because they can't do it directly. But having a PC have something like an angel inside their head would work very similarly. I mean, it would be the equivalent of having some kind of strange consciousness asking you to do things. And you don't know why they're asking you or for what end, because they can tell you they're an angel all they want, but are they? You know, like, how do you know what this creature inside your thoughts is? It could just be a ghost that's just real powerful. I mean, like, you could have the ghost of a cleric in your head. You don't know. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of angles that you can take to accomplish something like this with a player. For the manipulating, for specifically, particularly for this question, the, the, this entity does want the PC to kill, but doesn't want to do it at the cost of the PC's willingness. Giving, giving your PC, learning about your PC, and then finding out what things the demon and the PC agree about can be tricky, but if you can start finding those points of agreement where killing something, like, oh, hey, go kill this, you know, this monster or this bad character or whatever, if you can find those points of agreement and having the, the recognition that they, that they have a common ground will start chipping away at the PC's fear slash distrust of the entity if they have a common goal. Are you guys still there? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, sorry. Alright. Just didn't really have anything to add, just that. Yeah, I mean, have you done something like this, Tasha? Run an NPC like this? Or... I think so, um... But it was for a very brief time, because they're like, well, it's possessed, let's just you know, get rid of that right now. Like, they figured it out really fast, unfortunately. Um, I had a magic item that was supposed to be, like, this necklace. Uh, only they ended up putting it on the dog. <laughs> and then the dog's like, Mm-hmm. Also, what do you want me to do with this guy? <laughs> and they're like, what guy? Like, he's a dog. I mean, he has no willingness to hide. That's adorable. Oh my god, Tasha. Yeah. You gave a demon to a dog. Yep. <laughs> I'm so... <laughs> As it's slowly blossoming in my head what these players done. <laughs> it's like handing Cravenage to a dog. Yeah, that's literally what they did. <laughs> I spent so long working on this, like, sentient magical item, and then they gave it to the dog. Oh! Oh, crap! Oh, my God! <laughs> I, I just, I didn't know what to do. Um, I mean, I just, I mean, and I'm running the dog, so, like, like, I can't just make the dog suddenly evil. That'd be weird. I mean, you could. The demon probably has a higher consciousness than the dog. Uh, well, no, the dog was awakened. I mean, still, the dog probably did not have that high of a will save. Yeah, like, no, the dog kept doing the things the necklace wanted, but everyone was like, why is the dog acting weird? Like, like because the dog doesn't, it doesn't have a filter, you know? Yeah. It's just there to to help the, the party. So the dog would just respond with, well, the voice in my head told me so. Oh my god, it's so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Tasha, I mean, it the turned into a... you put in my head is beautiful. <laughs> I mean, it turned into a great RP I mean, RP session, but and then they traumatized the dog. Um. Oh no! How? 
Because they tried to remove the necklace, but obviously the necklace doesn't want to be removed, so the dog doesn't doesn't trust the party for like a period of time. Oh, oh no! Oh. Yeah. Oh my God, Tasha! This was almost like, so it just, it just... with what you wanted, though. No, no, for true. Like it just didn't last long. It just was one of those things where instead of having, like, the demon around for a bit, it just left lasting trauma on the party. Oh my god, I'm an actual- I'm, I'm actually in tears of <laughs> Like, at this point, I can't even remember what the sentient item was. I feel like it was connected to Loth somehow, because they were supposed to be in, like, clearing out a Loth tomb. Mm-hmm. Or, or, ta- or, um... Like... Uh, uh, shrine because she like took over another god's shrine and they wanted to claim it back mm-hmm. um, and they found the, the evil necklace and because it's a necklace they're like why don't we just throw it on the dog shame on them for not checking it before they put it on their dog <laughs> oh yeah oh no 100% um that's that's priceless that's how she, well done um I'm like, I know you didn't intend that, but it's still, oh, that's so beautiful. So I just, like, it's one of those things where it doesn't quite apply to this question because it didn't, like, stick around long enough. On the other hand, having a character get forcibly removed something from their head should have lasting trauma about trust with the party. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the end result of that, where mostly the, the dog um, wouldn't wouldn't talk to a lot of the players. Uh, and they had to, like, coax the dog into to helping, like, like, no, no, it's okay. We're here to help you. We really want to help you. We're not trying to hurt you. Oh. 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 Mm-hmm. poor dog. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we kind of did something similar with Micah unrelated to the demons in his head that were, like, actual demons. Um, brief warning. Uh, that campaign had to had a lot of themes of ex slavery and the traumas that come along with that. So I'll I'll try to be brief and I won't go into too much detail because that can be triggering. But um, Micah was an ex slave and he still had uh, physical elements of his slave life on his body, like old collars that couldn't be removed because. Of they were magic items. They were essentially cursed items that we had had on his body. So our characters were trying to convince him that it was okay to take it off. But because of his history, he didn't want to due to just simple conditioning. It was bad if it got taken off, therefore he wasn't going to take it off. So it wasn't a real demonic entity inside the collar, but it was his own traumatic brain telling him that it was bad if this thing was removed from his skin and so our party had to try to convince him that it was okay and this was actually good and something that would help him heal and it took a lot and and by convincing you mean forcibly removing it unfortunately it did have to come to that but like well don't we had our party our party had a long conversation about at what point does voluntary consent end if it's something like slavery? And I don't recommend having these conversations with okay, to, people to be unless fair, you really care about them. To be fair, like A, we've known each other since high school. So we, yes, we had a long-standing friendship before we got into the deep, dark side of Dungeons and Dragons and B um, Micah also had been manipulated by an evil god during this point whose whole vibe was yeah slavery's great and so like he was literally in the process of being corrupted this token the, the collar was starting to become associated with not just his trauma brain but also with with the god and so it was like a turning two for point. one. It was like a two for one. This had both the a, a demon-like entity is trying to convince you to do something evil, 
And your brain is trying to tell you that you shouldn't do this because you've been conditioned to think that way. We really piled on shit on top of Micah when we got to this point, when we had we to really knock did. his ass out to take the collar off. But we did. We had to knock him out. And then he got mad at us because we took the choice away from him. And so we had this whole conversation about consent and what that meant and what it meant to each other. And, like, it was a great bonding moment. It also yeah. meant that I don't think we slept for, like, a fucking week because this conversation was all over text. So, like, we yeah. were just texting each other <laughs> for, like, yeah. a week about this, literally this conversation. Yeah. yeah. We, we talked a long time before. And we talked a long, long time after. And I feel like those are things you can only do with a party that you trust. Like like Beth said, we had no we've known each other since high school. Some of us since before high school. High school. And we've yeah. been playing games in text form, which is just inherently due to its the the medium. It's much more personal when you're texting it instead of speaking on top of a table with other things happening. Um. So it got dark, but I feel like it all that helped. Because we were so close, or we are so close, mm-hmm. that we were able to dig into this issue much deeper. Yeah, so so there, this concept has a lot of layers and nuance to it that can be added in on top of this if your party is willing to have those kinds of deep conversations while they're supposed to be drinking beer and killing monsters. Like, if they're down to do this then you can go so much farther with this concept of a demon-like entity convincing them to do stuff because you can really start just manipulating this PC. I mean, literally lying to them, coming up with a tragic backstory, coming up with, you know, anything and everything you can think of that will that will hit the PC's weaknesses that will get to underneath the PC skin and make them want to cooperate because they're seeing the villain as no longer a villain. That, that in and of itself can be something you are probably going to need to talk with your PC first, your, your player first before you start fucking with their player character like this. Yeah. Because yeah, definitely they need first. to know that you are going to be emotionally manipulating them. That needs to, you need to have this conversation. You don't have to tell them how. You just need to tell them, hey, friend, I'm going to emotionally manipulate your character. Are you okay with this? If you're not, we'll figure out something else. If you are, I'm telling you now, I'm going to be doing this. So you need to then separate out the game knowledge versus player knowledge your player doesn't know this you the uh, or your character doesn't know this you the player do so like your character needs to react how your character will react i your gm need to let you know i'm going to be fucking gaslighting you at the table <laughs> yeah that's that's such a, an awkward line you're like hey i want to do this thing but it's literally to fuck with you like you in your head and how do I do this without being like, no, I'm not trying to be a dick about it. Yeah. Wow, I, I used a lot of swearing in this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, have fun whoever's editing this. Tasha. Mm. Sorry, Tasha. Again, Sorry, I Tasha. really um, need to take out the F word. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I think you have a lot of wiggle room here, Zach. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to do this. I think sticking with um, Beth's first two suggestions is probably your best bet if you haven't done this before and you want to keep it pretty simple. Either have the entity be very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. Which can be a lie. Just... It can be a straight up lie. It yeah. doesn't have to be true. It can lie, yeah. You can totally lie. Or you could not lie. Mm-hmm. You can create a really sympathetic and also very devious... Don't eat that. Don't eat that. Don't eat that. <laughs> what is that? Give it to me. <laughs> God, I wish that was text. I'm giving that. Because that text message would have been great. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. My cat found a tissue. (laughs) 
Anyway. You can either convince him through long-term sympathy and just getting, like, you know, building a relationship. Or play on, don't stand there, come on, dude. Or um, get him yes. to just, just you know, straight up manipulate and play on the the evil parts of his own brain. Because, you know, everybody has bad thoughts. That doesn't make you a bad person. But playing on top of those to manipulate him into doing bad things. Still not his fault. Still not good. Uh, I feel like that one that one ramps up the guilt feeling at the end. It does. Quite a bit. The other thing is how much this demon understands about the player character. Does the demon have access to all of their memories and all of their dark, you know, thoughts and everything? Because if it does, then you need to have that conversation with your player to get all of those, you know, nitty gritty details out so your demon can start using them to manipulate your player or the character. Um, so you need to know that that detail. How much does this entity have control over the player? Or does the player need to tell the entity information in order for the entity to start using it against them? So that's something you have to just define and you need to stick with it, which direction you're gonna, you know, go with that. Um, but yeah, the manipulation, it, it can be a lot of fun. Um, but something you need to keep in mind if you are doing the lying route and you don't want them to know you're lying, do not remind them about their skills. Don't remind them to make insight checks. I know sometimes as a GM, you can get in that mindset. You're like, hey, maybe give me an insight check because you're trying to give them to clue in. Don't do that. Let the player try to remember that they're dealing with a demonic creature that they need to be constantly checking to see if this creature is lying to them because if they don't check then they don't know it's a lie that's as simple as that if they don't insight and you don't make a deception check then the lie gets then you get away with that lie because they're not thinking about needing to constantly check what this creature is saying if you want to give a tell give inconsistencies yes that would work too um, so like, like you should come up with a story and then make subtle changes to the story over time. If you want them to cue in that this demon is lying, if you really don't and how powerful this demon like creature is, it might really know what it's lying about, you know? Whose keyboard is having? I'm assuming Leanne's. It's not a, it's my cat. <laughs> He's walking on it. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It just looks like just looks like our Google Doc is having a fit. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's Luca. He's stepping all over it. It's okay. Um. So yeah, there's there's a lot that you can you can swing with this one. Um. Yeah. If you have more specifics about the PC and about the demon and you want more suggestions about how to how to work with this entity, let us know. Um, feel free to email us again, Zach, and we'll see if we can help dig into the nitty gritty a little bit more. If, for example, you don't want to give us those details because you're afraid your player might be listening, um, change your name to ask us to use a different name for this because that way your player won't know that you're their GM. Or change their, the player's name or change the demon's name or whatever else. And we're willing to work with you to make sure that we're trying to help keep your um, machinations a secret from your party. We're down for that. Um. <laughs> I, I also don't have to show up that episode. Oh, are you playing in, are you playing in their game? Well, I wasn't originally. Possessed? Are you possessed, Tasha? I am not Are you the getting one the secret information from us? I feel like I'm being used. No, no. Um, I wasn't originally. I was just listening to the podcast version, but since no, they no, moved no, the day no. to Wednesdays, stop. <laughs> uh, things appear to be on fire at Leanne's dwelling. What were you saying, Tasha? <laughs> Cats apparently light things on fire. Um, no. Um, 
I was just saying that I recently started uh, playing in this particular game that I, I think. This is happening in? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if that if that is the case, Zach, and you do need to contact us, feel free to email us and we'll try to give you more ideas, more details off the air. We're always welcome to do that. Um, but yeah, so in case you don't want to give away your secrets to one of our co-hosts. Um... <laughs> Because that's still all friends and family, guys. Yeah. All right. Do we feel like we've covered it pretty well? I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening Uh, once again. Sorry we're late. Our release schedule is kind of non-existent at this point, but thank you so much for keeping up with us and downloading anyway. um, We're so happy you're here. If, like... Zach, you have any questions about your specific campaign? Feel free to share it with us. You know, we're happy to dig into any issues that your campaign is having, even if they're not issues. Even if you just want, you know, a little bit of brainstorming help or somebody to look over your plans for future encounters or future plot points, just you know, send them us, send them our way. Um, email is probably better because there's no character limit on email like there is on Twitter. But if you'd like, Twitter is at dear underscore doctor underscore dm and our email is dear doctor dm at gmail.com doctor is spelled out in both instances um remember to give us enough context to work with but if you fear that your listener or your players might be listeners um you could be a little bit more vague or just um in your email give us all the context and tell us which plot points to ignore when we're actually talking about it. Because then at least we'll have the info and we can help. We don't have to spoil anything for your players. Um, also remember to rate, review, and comment on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so we can help our show grow. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. The Doctors are out. Bye, guys. Bye.